Yeah, First yeah. question is from one of our viewers, uh, Shoshana Zahara. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, how can there be both specific and different degrees and interpretations of laws? For example, like the laws of Kashrut, uh, kosher. Yeah, excellent question. So, you know, it's, um, it's amazing. You study Talmud, you study the code of Jewish law, and you find so many opinions, so many different uh, views, interpretations. In fact, the rabbis tell us that there's shivim panim la Torah. There's 70 faces to the Torah. And, you know, it's it's difficult to understand. There shouldn't there just be one set thing, and this is what everyone does, and this is what everyone did. Why? How is there differences? And I kind of like to, um, you know, give an analogy you really look at any school of thought, or you look at any professions. You look at health. You look at uh, you look at science. You look at wherever you go. You look on the internet, right? <laughs> you think Jewish law. There's a lot of opinions. Look at the amount of opinions online, and some of them come from wonderful people with the great minds. And the Torah, of course, we can never change the Torah itself. And laws never changed from the Torah and the words and the text of the Torah and the oral tradition given by Moses at Mount Sinai, which is very important to remember. But following that, as the Jewish people were dispersed after the destruction of the temple, it says that, you know, they were needed to figure out the laws, and that's when they started to write the Mishnah. And following that, the Talmud. And then there's different customs and cultures and traditions that kind of you know, led to different ways of following Torah and mitzvot, stringencies that different rabbis said, you know, this is very important, or this, you know, can't be done. In some of the laws of kosher, you'll even see that, that animals, different countries have different opinions on different signs of animals of what's kosher, what's not, what fish, is, what fish are allowed, what's not. And so you see that, there's halakha, the Jewish law, but when it comes to minhagim uh, and some interpretations, there you have some kind of differentiations uh, based on where people live. And I think, in a way, that's the beauty of it. I once had a Shabbos dinner where I had a family, a Jewish family from India, and I encouraged them to bring their traditions to the table. And they brought that custom to eat bananas on Friday night. That was it. And I loved it. it it's fun, it's beautiful. And when you have different traditions and different interpretations and we could get along with each other and live and respect someone else's, you know, um, family tradition, I think it's a beautiful thing. And, of course, you have that with Ashkenazic and Sephardic Jews as well. And I think the Torah and the Talmud was given, God forbid, to never ever say that we could change something that God told us to do. But within Jewish law, there's direction to have different interpretations. I'll just conclude this thought with one idea. You know, in the Torah, it doesn't say, uh, thou shalt not use his cell phone on Shabbos, <laughs> right? How do we know about a cell phone on Shabbat that I can't use it? Comes along the rabbis of today with modern, you know, technology and with all different kinds of questions of things that were invented now. I mean, you take surrogacy, for example. The Torah doesn't discuss that. You take different uh, health examples. You take medicine examples. The Torah, the rabbis didn't have answers then. And the, the rabbis today have many different views on this. Rabbis in Israel, rabbis in Australia, rabbis around the world. 
and they're able to give the different interpretations and come out with, you know, God willing, hopefully, one answer, which we all try to follow by, but of course there'll be some different kind of interpretations along the way as well. I see. Okay. Uh, you, just, just a small question. Do you think a lot of it comes from the surrounding, you know, I guess, Goy culture, you know, if you're going to live around a bunch of, say, Europeans, the, uh, the traditions may be different than if you live around, you know, Arabs or, you know, Indians or all these different people around the world. So it's funny, you know, <clears throat> I'd say generally not. You know, Judaism, of course, there will be some, a little bit, but we don't try to join the culture around us. You know, we've been, uh, as a Jewish people, we've lived throughout the world and we've always stayed strong with our belief system and with the way that we dress and with our Jewish names and with our Jewish tongue and Jewish language, of course. But one area that I have found quite fascinating is actually with, uh, um, you walk into an Ashkenazic synagogue versus a Sephardic synagogue, the way that they pray is actually based on the culture of their country. <laughs> so Europeans, Ashkenazic Jews, you walk in, there's one cantor singing. What's that similar to? It's like the opera. Yeah, yeah. Everyone sits and listens to the cantor. You walk into a Sephardic synagogue, which is more Middle Eastern, and no, not one person. Everyone joins together, singing together. Yeah. You'll actually see the difference in the way that the prayers are performed. And you'll see that with a couple of things here and there, but uh, generally, you know, the Torah, of course, is the Torah. Some traditions will stem from cultures and a little bit of things around us and, you know, and the like. So do you think, like, um, the differing cultures, countries, kosher regulations, those personal laws, do you think that impacts one's, like, um, religiousness, their connection with God, or is it individual for that person? Like, just because someone waits two hours extra, does that make them that much better at adhering to God's rules than someone else? So I'm glad you brought that up about the hours, first of all, and then I'll get to your question. You should actually know that there's some places that they waited three hours, meat to milk, right? We, we generally wait one hour, or six hours between meat to milk. Some people wait one hour between milk to meat, various customs. But there was locations that waited three hours versus the six hours. Until today, you'll meet people that wait three hours if they came from those families that lived in those places. So that's just fascinating. I, no, I, I don't think... I don't think at all that someone that is stricter in some of their adherences and they could be like more focused on, okay, I, I do the strictest and like this and therefore God loves me the most. I don't really think that it works like that. I think for that individual, if they're holding at a level of growth and they want to achieve the best that they can, that's very good. That's important. You know, it's almost like you take CrossFit, you take any sport. Each individual needs to grow based on the level that they're going for. And it's amazing when they reach that because they're growing with their journey of life. As opposed to someone, you know, I talk to people all the time. They tell me, Rabbi, I really want to start keeping kosher. And, you know, I'll sit it down and talk to them and I'll come to their house and I'll describe, I'll describe it. Actually, you know, I brought some prop on my desk. I always have my blowtorch. People always say, what's with that? I go to people's houses all the time. Oh, my God. Really, they have a blowtorch. I'm not going to turn it on now. But 
It's literally sitting right next to me because I go, I go places. I coach to that house, but I'll tell people, let's go one step at a time. Go one step at a time for you. Here, this is good. This is important to do. You know, let's talk in a couple months and maybe we'll continue to grow.